Birmingham, Alabama, and participate in um, an annual event that they put on there at Church of the Highlands, Pastor Chris Hodges. Um, you can look them up. Um, a fantastic church, a very powerful church. Um, probably the fastest growing church, um, at least in, in North America. Um, they put on a conference, uh, something they put on um, every year called the Grow Conference. And, and they have a mission, kind of a mission in that Grow Conference thing. It, it's that um, Pastor Chris felt that the Lord uh, just directed him in, in this area to help uh, what he says a thousand churches that r- run under a thousand break the thousand barrier in their attendance on Sundays. And he just, he just received this word from the Lord. Now, the church is an amazing church. And a lot of stuff that we do, we're, we belong to um, the Grow Network, and uh, we use a lot of their resources here. A lot of churches do. Matter of fact, there were uh, 3,000 pastors and leaders at this year's Grow Conference. And um, 70% of those were were there for the first time. And a lot of stuff that we uh, use here at Triumph, um, we, we uh, farm from our network, this network that we're a part of, of all of these hundreds of churches that are a part of, of, of that experience. And uh, some of our language, our, our next steps language, and the way that we integrate new people into our church, uh, you know, we learned a lot of those uh, significant tools from them. Uh, you know, the way, that we, the way that we want to grow people and the way that we are um, developing and have been developing our connect groups. I got a lot of tremendous ideas from them. And what's amazing to me about this is that uh, over a decade, the Lord began to work on my heart concerning the vision for our church. And um, I'll never forget where I was. I, I was uh, sitting at a, a peewee league football practice with Boston in the, the very, very heat of the summer in the Jinx uh, Pee Wee Football League. And, um, I'm trying to remember, was, was that like third grade for him? It was something like that, uh, second grade. And, and, and here they were out practicing in, in football, and I was sitting in a chair, a lawn chair, and I was reading a book, and it was a very inspirational book for me. It was a book concerning church vision and the formulation of these things of vision. And we had, we had operated with vision as a church. We had had, um, you know, mission statements and vision statements and all of that. But, but the, the difficulty in, in those statements was this, that, you know, we have a children's ministry, and the children's ministry had a vision statement. And we had a youth ministry, and the youth ministry had a vision statement. And we had um, an outreach ministry, and the outreach ministry had a vision statement. And all the way down the line, it seemed like there were all of these different um, ideas of what the vision of the church was as it pertained to that particular ministry, that particular group of people. And, and this book really kind of helped me understand to bring it all down into a very simple, concise thing, to not try to operate the church with everybody having a different plan Everybody having a different mission, and, and so sitting out there in the heat at a, at a peewee football game, uh, the Lord uh, began to work with me concerning um, 
the three words that we have on our, on our uh, backdrop now is, and, and the full statement would be to love God, to connect with others, and to serve with excellence. And it was at that point that I, as a pastor, made a decision that that would be our mission statement, that that would be our vision statement for the, for the church. Like, like, you know, we have a children's ministry, and what we want to do in our children's ministry is to help kids love God, connect with others, and serve with excellence. And, and we have a youth ministry, and what we want our youth ministry to do is to, is to help young people love God and connect with others and serve with excellence. And in our adult ministry, we're loving God and we're connecting with others and we're serving with excellence. Now, what was really amazing to me was then years later, matter of fact, two years ago was the first time that we had ever gone to a GROW conference. And, and in that GROW conference and getting acquainted with this new material, it was very striking to me that a lot of what was being said, although Chris Hodges has his statement in, in four and many people have their statement in four, if you were to take everything that he was saying in that conference and, and boil it down to a simple mission, um, I was very surprised to find out that it was really all about loving God, connecting with others, and serving with excellence. And so, as a church... I think that there is a very important, important thing for us to recognize is, is, is what, are, what do we do as a church? And, and, and what do you do today if you're, if you're brand new to us and, you know, you're, you're here today? I, I think that the, the fact that all of us are here together, I think we're on a journey. And we're searching. We're searching for something. I will tell you that we live in a world of questions. And I think that it is lost on many people that the function of the church, as we get so bogged down in things that, that we do that kind of entertain ourselves, and, and man, we do a lot of stuff, we do a lot of fun stuff, but the purpose of the church, the function of the church, what is that truly all about? And I, I look in the Word of God and I realize that the mission of the church is really pretty simple. See, I want to cover in the next four weeks why we are doing what we are doing. And the best way to start this off is to talk about what it means in our lives to take next steps. So, I mean, I've really kind of, kind of uh, simplified even, even my own personal agenda for ministry in this, that I really feel like that if I can just help Individuals, I mean, whoever you may be and wherever you may be in your journey toward God. If I could just help you take one more step. I mean, I think so many times, I mean, I've been in, in full-time ministry for over 30 years. And so I think that, that a lot of times, you know, I, 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 it's very easy, isn't it, to get your, get your mind set on the end goal in people's lives. Say, man, you know, we really need to get... You know, some of you I really need to get way over, you know what I'm saying. And you get so focused about what might be the hundredth step in someone's life that you, you fail to just break it down into the simple and say, what is the next step? What is the, just one, just one step. If, if we were to do anything in this house today to help you, no matter where you are on your journey, to help you take just one step more step toward God. 
just one more step toward the kingdom of God. The things that, that, that the kingdom of God has to offer you in your life. I really, I think that it boils down to um, some primary steps that sometimes we live and then we, we relive again. In this ongoing progression of the Christian walk. And what does it even mean to be Christian? I believe that we want to help people do four very simple things, and, and, and all of these can be, can be refined in love God, connect with others, and serve with excellence. I think the, the first thing that, that we do is we help people know God. And then we help people in their lives to find freedom. See, I don't believe God saves us to leave us where we are. I believe that there is freedom in him. Matter of fact, the word of the Lord is replete with this idea that when God comes into your life and you truly know him, something good ought to be happening in your world. And so we know God and then we find freedom and then we help people discover purpose. So I think everybody is really looking for that. We want our lives to have meaning. And there's no greater place on the face of this planet to find meaning than in the kingdom of God because it is eternal. I mean, when you operate in the kingdom of God, when you walk in the kingdom of God, you are investing in the eternal. And then finally, we want people to find that purpose and then make a difference. To make a difference in their lives. And we're going we're gonna to talk about these today. We're going to talk about to know God. We are in the strongest sense of church, first and foremost, a place for people to find Christ. Now, I know that there's a, there's a, lot, of, um, there's a lot of entertainment church out there, and, 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 and I'm pretty busy here, so it's not like I go and, and, and visit a lot of churches, especially on the weekends. I mean, I don't know what they're doing, because I'm usually here. It's kind of expected of me. But, I, but I'll tell you this, that, that I know what I find in research. I mean, I watch services online. There's probably not a week that goes by that I don't watch video podcasts of four or five churches. Seeing what they do on their weekend experience. I will tell you that there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on out there that... that um, that, that just might be listing toward entertainment. Matter of fact, I, I drove by a, a church sign in south of Dallas on um, 35, uh, driving toward Waco, and um, I, I, I drove by there uh, not too long ago. I, I drove by there again, and I didn't see them flying this particular sign on their church. Several years ago, I, I drove by there, and there was a big sign on their church, and, and this sign says... Come experience our 15-minute worship service Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock. And I mean, I'm not being critical, but I'm, I'm trying to figure out how, how do you... I mean, I really... <laughs> okay, you are just all staring at me, but how exactly do you do, you do, do you do anything worthwhile in 15 minutes? You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's what was in my brain. And, and I mean, I passed by that church uh, uh, just a few weeks ago, and, and, and that sign wasn't out there. So maybe, maybe they realized that, that 
what can you really do? What, what, how, how can you help somebody truly anyway? Just kind of running through. I think a lot of times we in the church world, we get this idea that, that um, you know, we... And I mean, I got a timer clicking me down right now, so I'm not preaching against that. But what I am, I think you can go too long. Can you say amen to that? You know, I mean, I, I heard one preacher, he said, he said how, long, how long do you preach? And, and he said, man, I usually preach at least an hour and 15 minutes. I mean, I don't know how you feel, but I get kind of itchy at about 40, you know, about 40 minutes. I'm starting to like move around in the chair, right? You know what I'm talking about? You know, that, that, that guy said, man, can't you say it in less than that? He said, man, but I'm really good. But I'm going to tell you what. I don't care how good you are. That's a really long time. You know, I, I, <laughs> I was preaching on, I was preaching on, on uh, uh, giving several years ago and the seed faith and giving all this. And I, I had this one sermon prepared and I will be honest with you. I put everything I knew about giving and about seed faith and about the harvest come back to them. I put everything I knew in that one sermon about that. Well, it was just so happens that the next day uh, we were starting a, a modular class at ORU uh, in the Master of Divinity program. And, and uh, one of our classmates and his wife came to that service that morning. They, they came into town early and they came to church here. And, uh, and so I preached this... <laughs> I, pre- I preached this message, and it was everything I knew. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't leave anything out. And, and I'll never forget this. The, ne- the next day, we, we were sitting, uh, talking, and Raylene and I were, were both uh, in that uh, Master's uh, of Divinity class. And, and so uh, we were sitting there. We were talking to Craig. His name's Craig Felty. Give him a shout-out if he listens. But, but uh, uh, we were sitting there talking, and and, and he, he looked over at me and said, man, that was a great series you preached yesterday. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, I'm like, well, no, Craig, that wasn't a series. That was a sermon. He said, no, trust me, that was a series. <laughs> he said, man, you, you, he said, oh, that was a series. I'm even thankful for friends. I'll just be honest with you. You know what I'm saying? It's like, man, you could have broke that up into four weeks, man. That was so much information. It was absolutely no way anybody retained even a third of it. It was just way too much. And, and, and that's the kind of friends we have. Anyway, but I've never forgotten that. You know what I'm saying? I've never forgotten that. I, I, a lot of times I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll look at my notes and think, man, is this a sermon or is this a series? I want to felt he's going to be here today. You know what I'm saying? I, mean, I, I think you could do too much. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, here's the question that I believe that, that we have to answer in our lives. Are we helping people make one step toward knowing Christ? Just getting one Step closer. I will say this. That I believe the primary mission of the church is to help people get saved. Paul said it like this in Acts 20, 24. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. That, that Paul is 
boiling his entire life down. I mean, here is this church planner guy. Here is this pastor corrector guy. Here is this guy who is speaking to the life of the church. Here's this guy that is writing what we now know is two-thirds of the New Testament. Here's this guy that seems to be pretty busy doing a whole lot of stuff, but yet he says here that everything in my life is boiling down to just this one point. My task is to just get the good news of Christ into the hands of people to be saved. That that the grace of God is abounding in this world and that Jesus Christ came into this world to save you. And he says, put all of these other things aside. All of these other things we do, how great those things are. You know, I mean, who's going to tell Paul, that establishing churches wasn't great. Nobody. Establishing churches is important. Who's going to tell Paul that correcting churches isn't valuable? No, he corrected those churches in a very valuable sense, but yet he boils his entire thing. He says, my task is to testify to the good news of God's grace. My task here is to help people make one step to get them one step closer to be able to say, I, I know him. The Great Commission states it like this in Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus Christ through the church, is in the business of going out and making disciples. Not only making them, but baptizing them and teaching them. But it all begins with helping people know God. Helping people know God. Years ago, I mean, almost, almost, 30 years ago, I was preaching in a little country church in Newton, Texas. Now, if you don't know where Newton is, it's about five miles from Bonweir. All right. It's just a little East Texas town. It sits right close to the Sabine River. Um, about 20 mi- you're about 20 miles from the nearest Walmart over in Jasper, Texas. And we, I was preaching there, and I was staying in an evangelist quarters. Now, if you don't know what an evangelist quarters is, that is a converted Sunday school classroom that they stick a traveling preacher in. All right? And so here I was in this evangelist quarters, and it, it was, um, I mean, it's in the piney woods of East Texas. My cousins pastored there. For, for many years, I was preaching for them there. And, you know, you eat a lot of Campbell's chicken noodle soup and stuff. And I'll never forget one night during this, it was a really a protracted revival. I was there preaching for right at three months. It really, it was just the grace of God trying to help me get used to standing in front of people. I hadn't been, I hadn't been preaching in that sense, very long. 
When in walked this man, this man did not go to the Newton church. As a matter of fact, as far as I knew, nobody in the Newton church even knew who he was. He come walking, a gray hair, stately fellow, set toward the back, and I, I preached that night, and then whatever it was that I said, it, it, you know, he found himself in, in the altar, and I, you know, I prayed with him and, and whatever, but that's really not what he was wanting. Never forget, he just looked at me and said, you know, he said, I, you don't know me. He said, but I, I live out here on, on the lake. And it, he lived right on Lake Toledo Bend, we, we talked about in the last series. And I live out on the lake, he said, I have a, a very nice house. And he said, man, if you'll, just, if you'll just come to my house and spend the night. He said, man, I'll, I'll feed you. He said, I've got, a, I've got a boat dock with an electric winch that'll, that'll, you hit a button, it'll take you to the water, and you hit another button, it'll pull you out of the water. He said, I've got all the fishing gear, all the tackle, everything. He said, he said what, whatever is mine is yours. If you, would just, if you would just come to my house and help me understand a little bit about this Jesus thing. My immediate response was serial killer. Okay. Yeah, how many of y'all with me right there? You know what I'm saying? Y'all with me right there? I'm thinking if I go out, I will, I will never come back. They will always wonder, and where did he go? You know what I'm saying? And so, I'm, I, so I couldn't give him an immediate answer. I mean, he's a pretty big fella, and I, I'm, I'm kind of looking at him, and, I, and I'm like, you know, I mean... Do you live alone? Yeah, just me. It's just me, man. We just have the whole run of the place to ourselves. You could just tell me about Jesus. And I'm like, does anyone know you that I know? And he's like, well, I don't know. He said, I mean, you might be able to make a phone call or two. And I think about that time he was starting to think, this is kind of freaky for this young. I mean, I was just barely 20 and, you know, kind of. Kind of freaky for, for him. And I don't know what possessed me to say yes, but I said yes. I mean, I'm serious. And then I called my mom and said, Mom, a weird guy invited me out to his lake house. If they find me floating on Toledo Bend, find this guy. I told everybody around. Of course, by, like, you know, by a day or so, we had found out that he, there, there was at least a person or two that knew him from another church. And on my scheduled time, I drove to Commander Dave. That's what we call him, Commander Dave. I drove to Commander Dave's house. I would soon discover that this man had a storied career in the United States Navy. And that he had spent, he had spent years in the intelligence, counterintelligence side of, of Navy. Matter of fact, uh, during the Vietnam War, he spent the entire Vietnam War debriefing pilots, and that's what, that's what he did during that time frame. That he debriefed pilots as they would come back, and he was the one that would talk about their missions and all that. And he lived in this high security clearance. Matter of fact, he told me, he said, there's things that I know that I can never say because my security clearance is so high, I can never actually retire. He said, I can be called up at any minute. 
I'll never forget our conversations as we, as we talked about the Lord. He was so hungry to know about God. He had, never, he had never been to church. He had never been to Sunday school. He had absolutely no working knowledge of Jesus Christ or the kingdom of God. And I told him the first day there, I said, I mean, do you have a Bible? He said, man, I think I have, a, I think I have one of those somewhere. He said, he said, let me look. And he starts digging through boxes that he had never unpacked from his office. He started digging through these boxes and finally pulled up a Bible. He said, I think they call this a Catholic Bible. Will that work? I said, I think, I think it'll work. Bring it over here. Let's, let's look at it. And we started working our way through Scripture. I did this for weeks. Commander Dave, the man who introduced me to Tony Chesry's Cajun Spice. I mean, he was so he was so he was so desirous of he, he wasn't lying. He he told me he said, "Man, if you'll come to my house, I'll, I'll I'll bring you breakfast to bed." He wasn't lying, man. He he'd cook a whole breakfast, bring it in, and put it on the bed. Dave, there you are, preacher. Whenever you're ready, we'll talk about Jesus. This is crazy. Man, he cooked, and I, I started going up. I, was, I told you I was in Newton for three months. I started spending like every Monday and Tuesday and half day Wednesday at Commander Dave's house. Now, I told you that whole story to tell you this, that, that I spent all of that time. Matter of fact, Dave, <laughs> believe it or not, I mean, Commander Dave ended up getting a preacher's license. He ended up pastoring. I mean, this guy, in late life, this, this guy ended up, ended up having a ministry and doing all of these things. And, but I'll never forget the day he walked something into the bedroom. He was holding a briefcase. And he said, I don't know... It's a hard shell briefcase with locks. He said, I don't, know if I, I don't know if I'm supposed to give this to anyone or not, so just don't tell anyone. He said, but this is my government-issued briefcase. And I've just been noticing that you don't have one. And he said, the amazing thing about this briefcase is everything I carried in this briefcase, no one could know. And everything you're going to carry in this briefcase, everyone has to know. And he handed me that briefcase. And I wonder if that is something that can't grab itself to our hearts to recognize that we need to know him. Let me... Boil it all down to just whatever's left. There is a responsibility on every one of us to take people one step toward knowing God. Jesus is looking for people who will become Christ followers. Matthew 418, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. 
At once they left their nets and followed him. I believe with all of my heart that Jesus is still looking for people just like us to follow him. Just like you. By becoming a follower, we have the opportunity to know him through faith, through his word, even through baptism. I'm so excited about, I love our, our, I love our summer baptism festival, really is what I like to think of it as. Where, where so many people make a decision to, to, to make this public proclamation of their faith in Jesus Christ. It's really kind of a big party that we celebrate and eat barbecue and People get baptized, and it's really awesome. As a church, we must always be reminded of the fact that Jesus is calling people right now. Right now, Jesus is calling people to follow him. And by following him, they have the opportunity to know him. This is the deal as you stand with me this morning. This is the deal. Jesus gave a sad commentary in Matthew 7. He said this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name or in your name drive out demons or in your name perform many miracles? Listen closely, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. It's not just about coming to church, fulfilling our time, marking it on the calendar. I I went to church today. I did my Christian duty. Jesus is looking at people who thought they were doing their duty. But in reality, they never knew him. They never knew him. And it's this extremely sad commentary for someone who may even be familiar with going to church. But somewhere along the way, nobody took the time to go to the lake house. Somewhere along the way, The church never took the time to say, do you got a Bible? I don't know. Will this one work? I think we can make it work. Nobody took the time. And I think as a church, this is a pulsating beat. This is what love God for us is all about. This is what love God, this is it right here, that that God dropped that word, that seed into my heart a decade ago. God dropped that seed in my heart and said, whatever you do, make the church experience about getting a relationship with me. It it molds what we sing. That's why we sing songs mainly that are vertical, that that, that really kind of get our attention and get our mind on, on, on God because it's a, it's a stickler point that we don't want to just sing songs to be singing songs. We have a responsibility to go to the lake house. 
We have a responsibility to say, do you have a Bible? We have a responsibility to take that briefcase and put things in it that everybody, everybody should know this. And I wonder today if we could just help people just take one step. Just one step. Deeper in loving God. We say love God. We're saying no God today. One step to know God. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, I am indeed grateful for your word today and everything that that you have placed in our hearts as a people. I pray right now that if there is anybody under the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, that somehow, some way, today, we would help them take one step toward that. That we may know you. The Apostle Paul said it so plainly, even in his own life, he said that I may know him. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering I just want to know him I'm asking by your power and by your presence today that you would give us the grace give us the grace as a church to help people make one step give us the grace as an individual to take a step ourselves I pray in Jesus name your word and that your power that your presence that your spirit would do this in the lives of individuals like never before in Jesus name would your heads remain bowed in this house would, would, would there be anybody in this I'm not going to embarrass you not